I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc., all one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have an incredible episode with the amazing British actor, Henry Lloyd Hughes. We're here to talk about his new Netflix show, The Irregulars, but you've seen him in other things like Indian Summers, The English Game, and Killing Eve. He didn't go to drama school, and he talks about how that was really hard for him to navigate, and I had so much fun with Henry. I can't wait to have him back. Henry Lloyd Hughes, I love you, brother. Here it is. Henry Lloyd Hughes, how are you doing, brother? Welcome to An Actor Despairs. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a little sleep-deprived, Brian, but <laughs> you are going to perk me up. Yeah. You are my, my protein shot. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, and I'm, my COVID jab. And your Oprah today as well. Uh, man, I, I... I 100%. 100%. I, it's hard to believe this, you know, and it's cool to have you on. Now, I'm coming up close to 150 episodes, and so I've had a lot of guests on, but man... Man, that's amazing. I that's say amazing. this with every word of sincerity, Henry Lloyd Pews, sorry for using your full name, just felt appropriate... You're one of the most outstanding actors I have seen and watching you work, man, in everything that you've done from like the English game all the way back to Harry Potter, Indian Summer. Like, it's so hard to be able to play, especially in the UK where the class thing is, is a bit more of a thing for you to be able to pull off posh and then also working class and just like you make such amazing choices and when I see you perform, I don't see Henry. I see a character, you know, whether it's wh- whoever, it's Sherlock or if it's Alfred, you know, and few actors are able to achieve that kind of level of, of, of character acting, but also being, you're a beautiful man. So you got everything going on, man. It, it's such a pleasure to have you on. <laughs> that, that's very kind. That's very kind. And congratulations on, you know, that huge number of, of episodes that you're, you've coming up to because, you know, this is a huge contribution and uh, I'm, I'm so pleased that there's people like you doing the hard work of exploring what the reality of 
the industry looks like, to be honest. Yeah, yeah because man. Because the, there's so many misconceptions and there's, um, you know, I, I, not, not to be too hard on myself, but I, I wouldn't want anyone to think that the, um, the list of uh, roles that you've um, reeled off there, like, uh, or, or, or my CV is, uh, has been easy or like a walk yeah. in the park. There's, there's certainly been, um, you know, huge periods of self-doubt and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not immune to criticism and I'm, uh, uh, you know, criticizing myself and, and being hard on myself. So I do think, um, I do think it's, uh, it's a very nuanced space to try and navigate and it's very nuanced, um, world that, that we're living in, especially with like social media and, and the kind of binary nature of everyone stuck in their homes, oh, only looking out, uh, without having that, you know, customary everyday interaction between yeah. people whereby you find out the reality in a weird way, Ryan, I would say your stock couldn't be higher because of the times that we're living in and how important it is to, to actually connect with people and, and uh, in a way that is truthful and, and, and well-rounded. Um, I mean, that's, that's so- verbatim what I set out to do with the show. So that means so much to me, brother. It really does. And, and having you on is, it's, it's something that I take very seriously and it means so much to me. And I'm so excited to get to talk to you. And I, I totally identify with what you're saying, how, you know, it's easy to go on IMDb and look yeah. like this led to this. Which yeah. the, it, it's never like that. You it's know? never like that. It's, 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 a, it's a total, it's, I always describe it as like total guerrilla warfare. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it's totally random all of the time. And at least in my career, I've never had a bit or a period whereby one thing leads seamlessly into another, which leads seamlessly into another. And there's, there feels like there's this connective tissue. Yeah. And the weird side effect of that is that it looks like I have this like schizophrenic <laughs> career where like everything is going off in completely different directions. And like, it's like a master plan. And, and it's true. I have wanted to mix it up. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's a scattergun approach. It's like, it's, I don't want to say it's panic, but like, you know, there it's, it, it, I'm kind of dictated to by the the kind of insanity of uh, of the industry. But quickly, before we get to talking to me, I'm just because of my own curiosity. Yeah. I'm dying to know about the origin of how you notched up all these numbers and what was what was going through your head before you ever did the first one. What was what, what were you what were you sitting on that you thought I need to engage uh, with with actors and talk about this stuff? So I'm an I'm an actor, obviously, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, man, I, I say this because I've spoken about it a lot, but it's important. I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. And I had the idea for this. I'm 31. I had the idea for this at 23. But, you know, I was so lost and in, in using and and just like not being focused on literally not only my acting career, but anything but partying, man. I just got lost. And but it was always, you know, I call I call them, you know, actors that that I valued and, and, and gave me hope and inspired me, you know, if I, if I could do one, one hundredth of that, that would be amazing. And, you know, finally, once I got sober and I started auditioning, I was just so frustrated with the grind of, you know, as you said, it's just like, there's, there's no connective tissue. And at times it just feels like, you know, just getting representation. And then you think you're okay once you have that, but then the goal line moves to, okay, if I can just book, 
And, you know, man, I, during my darkest days, you know, once I started getting sober, I, I would look up actors and, you know, I know Wikipedia varies on degrees of truth, but I would, I would just see how they did it. I'd be like, how did this person, oh, okay, they went to RADA and then they did that, you know, or this guy was discovered or this guy just made a film and that, and it really inspired me. And I didn't think there was a, a show because like, you know, no disrespect to, you know, Fallon or, you know, any or of the- Inside the actor's studio. But yeah. inside the actor's studio, only like, it's Put quite- Put the A-list um, actors on, man. And, yeah, and, and yeah, those, yeah. Are, th- those are the 0.01%, you know? Like, yeah. we're lucky getting the working in this business is a coup. And so I really wanted to celebrate actors that do that, you know, and that, that I'm interested in speaking with. As pretentious as that sounds. No, it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know. I totally get it. I totally get it. It's one of those things that like, uh, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. Like if you hadn't have done it, I would have tried to do it myself. Nice. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that because every, I, it, this is a real thing that I've spoken about before. Like when I see a good piece of art, there's a feeling, whether it's a film, a movie, a show, a, you know, I'm like, that's so good. It should have been mine. So it's 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 a really interesting sensation that happens to me, you know. I've that. got a framed print in my house that says, "Modern art equals I could have done that." It's an equation. <laughs> Modern art equals I could have done that. Yeah. Plus, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. I got to Google that now. That's amazing. I got to. Uh, yeah, it's an yeah. artist who does these like equations for life. I'll send you a picture. Oh, please, brother! I'll send you a follow yeah. after this, but. Well, dude, yeah. if it's cool with you, let's start from the beginning. You grew up in the UK, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a, a slightly strange setup because uh, I do, I am the descendant of people uh, in, in show business and, and actors, um, but uh, not in a way that uh, necessarily there is any, um, uh, how do I put this, like uh, tangible lineage that could be piggybacked on. Like I- my... Gr- my great great oh, grandfather was my great great grandfather was a film hairdresser. Wow! Um, and my grandfather, this is on my mother's side. My grandfather was uh, was an actor. My grandmother was an actor, um, and then he moved into. Um, I mean, he kind of did everything. You know, he was a casting director. He was a production manager. He was an agent, uh, and he ended up moving to Australia to start. Uh, the first film school in Australia in the wow. in the in the um, late sixties. So um, uh, yeah, there is this like lineage, but people always say like, "Oh well, it, you know that must have been a given if you come." They, from they, this, they throw uh, the nepotism card at you. Well, I was. I always say, if I have to explain to you who my relatives were then that's like ne- nepotism isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> like like as in if, if, if the legacy of my family is famous, is, is, is so unfamous that I have to really do a deep dive to explain to, to you who they were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my mother, my mother uh, uh, was an actor when she was a kid um, and did some amazing like kind of cult British comedies with like Norman Wisden. My auntie was in a very cult film called Bunny Lake is Missing. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, so there is this this like family history, but I, I didn't grow up in a household where it was like, and now time for you to enter the family business. Totally. Uh, Sonny Jim. 
It's um, it, it's funny. I I spoke to Jack Houston on the show, yeah. and it's the exact Amazing same for him. The exact same story yeah. for him with with the family. And but uh, I'm curious. Then you know, having a mom that was a child actress, and, and your father was not in the business, correct? That's right. Yeah, he was. He's in uh, what they in America they call leisure and gaming. So that's hotels and casinos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome! Great industry to be yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Then you know, growing up for. For you, Henry, what was uh, was there an artistic incubation, or you know, obviously, like being in the UK alone, there's so many beautiful arts. But I'm curious where that began to kind of open itself up to you. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Weirdly, like I, I felt like I slightly sleptwalked into performing. Um, like I was always a very like you know, chatty kid who like liked the sound of his own voice and was always like at the end of the table in the lunch hall, like reeling off anecdotes, just kind of like talking like, like a comic, you know, like as in I would just keep talking as long as people were laughing. Yeah, totally. So that was like, that was like my kind of personality type. But I, when I say I slept walk into, into performing is like, I remember doing school plays and I just, maybe because I was that kind of kid, ended up being on stage possibly at an earlier juncture than other kids and found that I wasn't faced by it. And more than that, probably the obvious thing, I felt a sense of approval. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, especially when, when I would get big laughs or whatever. Um, I remember being very young and doing like an old musical song called um, I'm Henry VIII, I Am, I Am. This is like a very niche like British, like kind of seaside 60s song. Yeah. But I remember I was doing that weirdly dressed as Henry VIII, but I must have been about like seven or something or maybe wow. younger. And the ho- I did something. I did like a little bit, you know what I mean? Like a bit of physical comedy, not even the singing. Yeah. And the audience laughed so hard. And I remember just like this deafening roar of laughter. And uh, I came off the stage and um, the teachers all like hugged me. I was like, I don't know what I did. Wow. That was, that was probably a good thing that I did Um, because I wasn't a great sports star. Do you remember what the piece was? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was this song. It was this song called I'm Henry the eighth. Oh, I I thought you were saying you were doing Henry the eighth. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. (laughs) I was, I was dressed like him, which is like weird because it's, it's a kind of bawdy, when you know when I say musical, that's like it's a kind of like old theater tradition where they sing yeah. songs and do like basically like kind of comedy turns, kind of Cockney, you know, uh, doing the Lambeth Walk. These are all very specific British references, Ryan. I'm not. I, expecting I love you to it. Get it's these. okay. I'm. I'm. I'm getting. I'm, you can. You I'm can YouTube. Yeah. You YouTube. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am. I am, and you'll put it in the like show notes and people will get what I'm talking about. So I did this when I was like six or seven and uh, people went crazy. And I, anyway, so I, I felt a sense of acceptance. I was kind of like a diminutive kid. I was yeah. very small um, and uh, I wasn't really good at any sports and I certainly wasn't good at any lessons. So I kind of clung onto that and um, acting in plays as I went through my school career was kind of like my insurance policy against the rigors of the British educational system. You know, I always felt like I was a few D grades or U grades away from being shown the exit, Sonny yeah. Jim. Um, and that if I could show my, uh, I don't know, show a good uh, 
a good side of me on stage, put in the hours and do something, it would like, you know, elevate my standing, basically <laughs> stop me getting fired. Yeah. Stop me getting fired. Definitely. So, yeah. So I, I, um, yeah, I ended up doing plays at school and, um, and, uh, as I went through a bit like as a microcosm of show business, when you start, you get the very small parts and you're the spear carrier. Yeah. And then by the end of high school, uh, as, as you would call it in the States, I, I was getting the bigger parts. I remember I did Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet. And oh, you'd be a great Mercutio. I'd kill to see that. Yeah, I, I, it's funny you should mention that because my mum recorded it, it like illegally on like a camcorder. Nice. We got to see. put that up on YouTube. Rack yeah, up the views. Yeah, I don't know if the footage still exists. <laughs> but, but, dude, I used that as currency to get an agent. Wow. So I wrote, I, I was like still, you know, I hadn't even finished school. I was like 16, 17. And my mom, through a friend of her play reading group, a friend of her play reading group's daughter was an agent and or just started out, you know, as yeah. a, like was an agent with very few or zero clients. Boutique is like, yeah. yeah well, yeah. she was, she had just, she had just been kind of put in a new agency, sorry, put in a big agency, but she was starting out her agenting career as it were. Got it. And my mom knew this and said, look, why don't you write her a letter and, I actually found a copy of the letter and I think I spelt her name wrong. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> I would make um, the same mistake. But I, I, I managed at the age of like 16 or 17 to convince her to like have a meeting with me. And I turned up with the VHS tape of Mercutio, like, you know, in my, oh. in my hands. I was going through this phase where I was dressing kind of um, like quite hippie trail, yeah. like long floaty shawa kameez you know what i mean you know what yeah. i'm saying like a kurta like an indian shirt totally like crazy like didn't make any sense yeah and uh so i was going in there with the vhs and um i remember her saying i was like look i've got this performance of makushio on this tape i'm pretty sure once you see it it's gonna be a done deal so i'm just gonna leave that uh here anyway we did a you know, little chat and then at the end, she was like, I've got to be honest. Um, I don't think I'm going to watch the Mercutio tape. And I was like, <laughs> no, But she was like, she was like, I am going to give you a chance. She was like, I don't know. There's something about you. Yeah. I'll give you a go. And honestly, Ryan, I knew so little in spite of like my quote unquote lineage. I knew yeah. so little about um, the realities of show business. Were your parents went, receptive to it? I, my mum was very supportive, but it was like yeah. more like in a kind of like, yeah, go and buy a lottery ticket. Like, yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. Get in line. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. get in line. Like, yeah. I mean, no one's going to call you an idiot for buying a lottery ticket, but like also no one expects you to win the lottery. So like, yeah, 100%. go figure. So um, it, it, basically, I remember her putting me up for my first ever audition. I can't remember what it was, but she rang me a week later and was like, you didn't get the part. And I said to her, I said, Kate, well, you know what? It was really nice working with you. Um, uh, I guess uh, if you could find any more agents that are willing to maybe... Uh, <laughs> I thought it was like one and done. Yeah. They, I thought yeah, it was yeah. one and done. I I thought like you, you, you find an agent, they put you up for one thing. And if you don't get it, that's it. That was your shot. Yeah. Like that, then case closed. Yeah. I still feel um, like that when I get on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But that's amazing. So then... 
you know, I'm curious with this agent, uh, you know, were you mainly going up for like film TV or was it theater or commercial? Yeah, it was every- weird. You know, there was the, this was the last of the, what I call the old guard, like still in that period, you know, you talk about the class system in, in, in this, in this country, the UK, yeah. but also like, you know, there's this thing about things being done by the rules and like everything like needs to be in its place. Yeah. And, um, at the time there was a huge pressure kind of from like whatever the industry and also like my dad, I think who, you know, he wanted to be an actor, even though he ended up in like leisure and gaming, he he, yeah. he wanted to be an actor and he actually, he, he got into drama school, but got a proper job in between and never went, took his place. So, but, so he was saying to me, like, listen, if you want to be an actor and you've got to go to drama school, like there's no other way. Yeah. And that was very much like the mantle at the time. I don't think it's like that anymore, by the way, as a caveat. Really? I'm saying that. I was curious because that is such a British thing where it's the RADA, the central, yeah. you know, like Listen, that's like. Those schools have huge reputations for a reason. And they've, they've also churned out so many fantastic actors. There's, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not curious to what, as to why they, that is. But I remember at the time me saying to my, to my agent, Kate, who, who was an amazing agent, by the way, and, we, and I was with her for 15 years. So wow. it was a fantastic Just, relationship. Yeah. But, 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 but um, I remember saying, okay, look, the only thing I know how to do is, is be on stage. And her saying, I'm afraid that's not going to happen. And I was like, this- Oh, so your impetus you was to, to, your imperative was to do theater. That's what you wanted to do. That was the do. only thing I knew how to do. I was wow. just like, well, like until someone tells me how to do TV, like I'm not, like why, like, basically what right do I have to 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 like stomp into the world of film and television and instead it was the opposite it was the complete opposite she said look you haven't gone to drama school so you're you're then you're not going to get seen for any plays and i was like but wait a second that's the only thing i know how to do and she was like it doesn't matter you guys see my remember he proved my point exactly at the time there was a, a stage production of journey's end i don't know if you know that play it's set in they made a movie of it they yeah. they, they they it's set in world war one it's super depressing yeah i think i have seen the film really that depressing. That. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like <clears throat> you know a bunch of young soldiers in over their heads you've got the older soldier who's suffering shell shock and he doesn't even know it all this caper and i remember going for the audition and it's like i was 17 and i was playing a night i was supposed to be playing a naive 17 year old and i'm i'm waiting outside and every single other dude is like 26 and has just got out of drama school and i remember doing the audition and i got recalled and i got recalled again oh so you did and quite I was well like, yeah, and I was like, I, you know, it, I mean, it was so close to being on my skill set. You know what yeah. I mean? I didn't do Journey's End at school. Small, small fact: my grandfather did Journey's End during the war wow. as part of the 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 war, the Army Theatre Corps, with Dirk Bogard in the play, or as he was then known, Dirk Van der Bogard. Anyway, I digress. Oh my god! I. <laughs> Anyway, I, so there I was doing the audition and basically, whatever, my agent rang me up once again to say, look, you didn't get the part. And she was like, they just don't feel because you didn't go to drama school. They just, they're just not sure that they can like kind of, you know, that you've got Take the, a chance on something without exactly, this credential. Exactly. credential. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they'd love to hire you, but you don't have your license yet. Yeah. And that's what it felt like for, in those early years. It really felt like I didn't have my license. And I had some pretty hairy moments, including like some of the old school casting directors. I remember I was working in a shop selling 
um, clothes. And I had this amazing manager called Alex Wiseman. And he, he would just like totally go out on a limb and give me like a double lunch break. Yeah. So I could go and um, do an audition and get back in time to the shop. And I remember going way across town for a, a general, you know, like a general meeting with a casting director that I hadn't yeah. met before. And I was pretty young and uh, getting all the way there. I'm sweating. I haven't had lunch. I've been selling clothes all day. Wow. And I got, in the, I got into her house and she was like, so tell me why you're here. And I was like, um, well, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm Henry. I'm, I'm an actor. I'm just starting out. Uh, my agent set this meeting up and she said, and where did you train? And I said, um, well, actually, uh, I didn't go to um, drama school. And she said, get out. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of pretentious, what the fuck, man? I was, like, I, I, I was like, I'm sorry. And she was like, how arrogant of you to think that you're worthy of my time when you haven't how, been to drama school. How fucking this condescending. Is... Who does that? I know. I know. She's probably dead now. I hope she's dead. Yeah, thank God. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> she's probably alive. She's probably listening. She's probably in the comments It's all right good. Now. Fuck her. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, anyway, that, I, I'm just trying to give you a little flavor of like the like birth into the professional landscape. Uh, I'm felt. curious bef before we, uh, because of this, like, I think it would go one or two ways for any human being like, hey, you need this license. You would be like, fuck you. Like, I know I don't, I'm going to make it on my own or maybe I do. Like, where was your head at? Yeah. I'm afraid uh, you guessed, you probably <laughs> guessed right that I was far more of the former than the latter. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. We're yeah. just alike. I love it, that, man. It sharpened my resolve, Ryan. It sharpened my resolve. <laughs> That's it, what an actor it, needs. It, yeah. It did put a bit of lead in my pencil and it made me think, okay, well, um, they're saying it can't be done. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe I should see how far we can get. Yeah. Um, and it's not too far now from being 20 years of work. So um, not all those people were right. Maybe yeah, some of the people amazing. who said, maybe the, some of the people who said I can't act were right, but not all of them were right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so proud of you, man. That's amazing. And that's so cool. So then when you walked away from that, did did that break you for a moment or did that only sharpen your resolve? Uh, both, both. It, it made, it made me feel like I was not expecting people to be so vocal about making it hard. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting people to be so vocal about say people you've never met by the way. Yeah. Saying just so you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an obstacle here. Yeah. And you're going to get, and if you, and if you think you're getting anywhere, you're going to have to get past me first. Like I was not expecting that level of hostility. Yeah, no one would. Um, and 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 the flip side was that it made me try and think of a of a of a way around. You know. Yeah. And you know, in every like all of the stepping stones in a in an actor's life, like whatever professional life, it's it's about finding those people that see something in you and are willing to collaborate. And funnily enough, I'm including my manager, Alex Wiseman in that yeah. because he was, he worked, you know, he was my boss in a shop and he could have got fired if, he, yeah. if people knew that I was having double lunch breaks. But he said, I think this guy really wants to be an actor. Or, yeah. or, or, or maybe he didn't even think that I was in, I mean, 
I'm putting words in his mouth. It, it, it's irrelevant of whether he thought I was any good, but he believed in me enough. And actually, you know, so, like I, I still think of my career now, whatever you, you know, how many jobs it is, as just a handful of connections. Yeah. A handful of moments where a casting director has gone out on a limb and said, you know what, I actually, I back this guy. Yeah. I think he's I think he's got I think he's got enough for this role. You yeah. know, you might not have heard of him, but I think he can do it. And those casting directors that I'm thinking of, and I'm, you know, I can name them or whatever, but but I I it's that's it. Like that's yeah. like I know it sounds weird, but like and, and this can either be I, I'm either telling you this as, as a liberating fact or a crucifying fact. You yeah. can take it however you want that a handful of relationships is all you need. A handful of good relationships, a handful of people that trust you, that you trust them, because like, I always think of the analogy of professional sportsmen. Yeah. You know, without confidence, when you walk into a room, or at least this is my experience, but if I walk into a room and I feel like people you know, are giving me the stink eye or or they don't don't want to be there or they don't want me to be there, I find it nigh on impossible. Totally. to do anything approaching my best. Yeah. But in the rooms where I have rapport or I've met that person before and they've gone into bat for me, you know, I find within myself a resolve and a feeling of like I can go through brick walls. So it's weird like, you know, dramatically in my own life, yeah. I have felt like superhuman s- sometimes in rare moments where it's like it doesn't matter what this scene involves, I can get it done because I know the people here believe in me. Yeah. And at the same time, I can feel totally paper thin. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and and often those periods of being, feeling paper thin can last for a very long time. You know, months and months of feeling like you're going into rooms and the odds are stacked against you. And every time you go into the next room, the odds are getting worse because you're carrying the previous f- f- sense the energy, of failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the previous, and the previous, and the and the longer it goes, the more you feel like you've got a huge, you know, seven foot high rucksack yeah. of self doubt, which you're kind of dumping yeah. at the door and saying, "Hey, nice to meet you." Um, so I've I, I've seen both sides of of what that looks like in, in an interior sense. And and who was that first person that was like? you know, finally was like, all right, I, I want to give this kid a chance. It was, it was a TV role, right? Before Harry yeah. Potter. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm trying, I'm, it's like, it always gets a bit blurry because I can't remember what came first. Um, but I think, yes, it was a job called Murphy's Law. That's it. Yeah, I remember going <laughs> yeah. down your resume. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so, you know, just going back to what I was saying before, like I was so out of my depth because I didn't know anything about television because all I'd done was plays. Yeah. And, oh man, like I was just, <laughs> I was so unbelievably green. <laughs> like I, I remember, I remember on my first day, um, I was playing, this is a spoiler for people who haven't seen that episode of Murphy's Law. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to look up the name of the episode because I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to be completist. Is here. that show still going? 
Uh, no, no. It, oh, was okay. a, it was a kind of, uh, it was a cop show that ran for a couple of years with an actor called James Nesbitt, um, who's like, a, yeah, he's like great a great actor. Yeah. Decorated yeah. TV big dog. I didn't know years. if that was the UK's version of our law and order. It kind of looked oh. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely a comparable. Yeah. Definitely yeah. comparable. I remember on the first day, um, uh, I was playing like the, I was basically playing the baddie in a yeah. cop thing. And I like, uh, sexually assaulted and murdered a nun. Wow! And like heavy. I remember the first, the it really heavy. The yeah. first call sheet that I ever got, it just said Jensen. That was my name, Jensen Dawlish. It just said Jensen murders the nun, and I was like, wow, that's that's where I'm beginning. That's where I'm beginning. <laughs> I'm, that's where I'm opening my account. Yeah. With a good old fashioned bit of uh, nun murdering. Yeah. And um. Basically, the uh, the first day that I had was a um, it was a scene in which I was like I was the bad boy yeah. and I'm supposed to be like downing cider yeah. and like smoking all these fake spliffs, which of course were not real yeah. spliffs. It was just herbal or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and I was so um, you know I, like I didn't know what like you know I was just like well if I was in a play. I'd just be like, I'd just be doing it for real. Yeah, totally. So they kept on saying to me, like, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like takes, like you don't have to do it every time. Uh, and I was like, no, listen, come on. I'm a proper actor here. I'm committed. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm getting my license. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm getting my license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm getting my license here. Um, and Marilyn Johnson, there you go. That was the casting director. Ah, she's no longer it. with us. She's no longer with us, um, sadly. Um, Rest she died a couple of years ago. But Sorry. Yeah. what a lovely woman. Um, uh, I wouldn't be here, well, I wouldn't be here talking to you without her. So thank yeah. you very much for that, Marilyn. Um, so uh, I basically downed all the cider. Every time we did a take, I downed like... At, with like with alcohol thing. or non-alcoholic? No, it was like non-alcoholic. Oh, okay. Pop, but still, yeah. it was a it was a massive blunder. Um, and and then, and then I'm just chugging the spliffs, and I had no idea what kind of coverage we're talking about when yeah. they said they like needed a few takes. I was thinking, well, like what, like three? Yeah. And then it's like three hours later, we're still doing the scene. Oh my god, and man! I remember getting in my car to go back to my trailer. I'd never had a trailer before. This was my first day. I just murdered slash raped the nun. And the car, and I was in the car, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so sick. Oh, I feel so God. sick. And everyone was like, hey, Henry, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. And I managed to just make it as far as the door of my trailer, and I opened it, and, like, I just projectile vomited all over I was going to say, it had to have happened, man. Oh, God. Dude, it was, like a, it was like, a, like a comedy vomit. Like, you know you see in films where it's just like a hose. Yeah, Because totally. I had so much liquid. I had so much liquid inside me because oh I'd been God. downing like, you know, 80 pints. Anyway, um, so do you that feel was like, my opening a- account. Did you feel, you know, I don't know how long you shot, but but towards, you know, whether it was days or a week, you know, was did you start to feel comfortable at one point, you know, with the television and no. production landscape or were you? No. Wow. Okay. No, no, I didn't feel comfortable. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, to be honest, the, a big, a big like watershed moment was 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 when I did this film with Joanna Hogg, yeah, um, called Unrelated, 
which was her first film. And she was inventing her own method, which now she has, you know, like it's the way that she makes films. But that was a totally immersive way of making films. Yeah. Whereby everything is improvised. You shoot chronologically. We lived as a family for like two weeks before we even started shooting just to like completely build up this like real sense of naturalism and like rapport. So you could improvise and talk over each other and it would just seem like a real conversation. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I could go on to like how that process works. It's quite complex. Did you enjoy that process? But yeah, what I'm saying is like that just like flipped. It was just like a doorway into another world because then I was like, oh, rather than me like being uh, uh, like on my, you know, with all my like, if I was a cat, like my hair's on end because I'm thinking like, okay, how can I be on guard to do my performance? Yeah. I was like, or you could just do this thing where you're like completely, you're like at one with the with the camera and the crew, and everything is kind of the same. Yeah. It's like you rather than rather than it feeling like the camera is the audience and you're on stage. You know, I suppose in a way, psychologically, I was still in that place where the camera was the audience and I was on stage and I was performing to the audience. Yeah, it took me a few years to get to the stage where the camera in a way was another actor. The, 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 the guy holding the boom was another actor. Yeah. These are, they're all in the scene. Totally. You see what I mean? Like it's, it's all, it's all enmeshed. Yeah. The whole room, the whole studio. Yeah. Um, I'm making it sound very like, like an acid trip or something, but like, no, I, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, man. Synchronicity. But like and, once you, yeah. Yeah. Once you touch that, once you touch that, then you, I felt like I was just trying to get back to that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, but it, I, I, I was also incredibly spoilt because you don't get that on every job, you know? Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, and of course, in a weird way, in the period immediately after that film, things were worse because I'd felt so in touch with my creative juices. Yeah. That like, then when I came, got spat out the back and was like back to like, you know, cold readings, auditions just like you know the conveyor belt i was like well now i'm really now i'm really out of it because now i feel like i've i've met and encountered what i should be doing but this feels so foreign and i do think there's an element of truth in that ryan which is like a strange curse which is like i felt in my career the longer you the longer you do it and the more i do it well by which i mean to the best of my abilities. Yeah. The hard, I, the, I find the harder it is to audition. And this is not about like ego, like how no. dare you require me to show you. Yeah. It's more a case of like the, the specific skill set that you learn on set, which I am very, now, now I wasn't then, but I now am very experienced. I have a lot of hours. I have made many, many hours of television. I have spent many, many hours of my life on set. I truly understand the rhythm of making things with a camera. And the the, the more you hone those skills, trying to ape that in an undeniably artificial sense of the casting suite becomes almost perverse 
because I, I, the more flying hours I have on this hand, the more absurdly disorientating it is to go, well, that's not the actor who's saying the scenes. Like, that's not how they'd say it. Yeah. Why is that person's phone going off? Oh, God. Was it like, do you Why, know what I mean? Like, what? I, I, it becomes I like, fully becomes agree. Like Auditioning is like one of the worst thing. I mean, it's the, the worst version slash best version of whatever it is to test someone for a role, but it's, it's awful. And you, and I fundamentally believe you can be an amazing actor and just not great at auditioning. You know, it's such a, yeah, and I also think that you can be qu quite an underwhelming actor, but being fantastic at auditioning. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people get into a lot of schools. I could tell you about Henry, but uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I got to ask because it's such a big part of your culture, you know, not your, but the UK, I guess is like doing something like Harry Potter that, did that have a big gate opening effect for you being a part of this? No, thing? no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Really? I mean, like, um, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, that was, that was, that was, uh, it took a long time to film, but you know, I, I, I was not a Potter head. Like I hadn't read the books before I did the audition. Yeah. And yeah. because I was, <laughs> I was working as a gardener and I tried to make some money to, so I could go traveling and it's sod's law. I got basically about as far away from England as I could. Yeah. And I was on an island in Thailand. And my this is before smartphones, by the way. I had to go to an internet cafe. And I saw this distraught email from my agent being like, you need to come back. Like, and it was wow. like three days old, the email. You need to come back on and be there on Monday so you can audition for Harry Potter. And I was like, oh God, I guess I got to do it. Anyway, so... Um, uh, I came back and basically I got offered this role. We did a lot of improv, which was pretty cool, actually. That is so cool. I, was like, I, was really I would never guess that. Process. Yeah, the casting process was like very workshoppy, which I really like. I really think it's the, I know that not everyone functions well in that. But for me, if you can break some kind of informality, if you can have people feel like they're collaborating in a process, yeah. I feel like even if you don't get the part, you feel like you've shown something. Totally. You know what I mean? You've you've shown something and that's better than nothing better than the binary say the lines hit the mark okay yeah. you're done yeah so i remember doing improv and i'm pretty good and but i didn't think i'd get the part anyway so i got the part but it wasn't a very big part but my friends who had read the books were like trust me book 4 your part is okay but in book 5 your part is huge yeah so basically do this take the hit and then the next film is you're going to be all over it yeah uh, Spoiler alert, I was not in the next film. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, so uh, I, I did number four. There was about 10 lines. There was about 10 lines in the script that I had. And I was like, okay, well, I got 10 lines. And uh, by the time they did like, you know, pink revisions, yellow revisions, golden rolled revisions, orange revisions, there was about four lines. Oh, by no. the time I did them, I think it was about two lines. And then, you know, I remember being there in the, in the, in the like cast and crew screening, they yeah. didn't invite me to the premiere for some reason, which, you know, but, still slightly back. Yeah. And, um, and I just remember thinking, man, they've really pushed my scene later than I was expecting. They've really pushed it much further than ever. I could imagine it making sense in the plot. And then the credits rolled up and I was like, ah, there is no scene. I'm not in this movie. I'm not really oh, in this movie. God. Yeah. So it, you know, obviously for like, um, Daniel and and Emma and like those guys who were amazing to work yeah. with, by the way, that just like this as sweet and and 
hardworking and professional as you could ever imagine. Of course, like they they were instantly recognizable from from that project. But uh, well, I, uh, I just like anyone who got cast in that was so like seen by yeah. so many actors. I mean, so many actors not not even yeah. you know came out of that. I, I'm curious then. What, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I, I in a weird way I fell between the cracks. Like people like Ray Fiennes who's like such a mind blowing actor. I'm a huge fan of his, but like, if he's going into that franchise, he's already Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Totally. And the main, the main, like whatever, four, five, six actors that play the main cast, they were elevated by the enormity of the project. But like me, I'm just kind of like hanging in the background. In the like, periphery. Yeah. In the periphery. I, yeah. You can see me in a couple of shots. Like, you know, I'm wearing school uniform and I've got this like dorky 1970s hair because I'd been filming a TV series that was set in 1974, right beforehand. Um, and the one thing, oh yeah, the one thing I mentioned about that TV series was, you know, I, I talk about this feeling of insecurity and this yeah. uh, feeling like I hadn't got my license. I remember I did that TV series and the director at the rap. What's so the, which TV happened. series are we talking about? It's called The Rotters Club. The Rotters Club. Let me tell you, I'll tell you three things about that and I, I want to be quick because I could I genuinely I don't want I don't want this episode of your thing to be 40 hours long oh, I'll tell you three I, quick I, things I'm here all day brother no, no rush <laughs> three quick things firstly um, I went in to do ADR do you know what that is like so do yeah, the additional sound. dialogue yeah, recording exactly. yeah. yeah and uh, the director said I haven't brought you here to do ADR and I was like what and he was what? like I brought you here because basically your scenes have been cut and I was like Oh wow, great. This is like this is like my preview for Harry Potter. Then the other thing that happened was at the um rap party, bear in mind like most of my scenes have been cut. At the rap party, like after a few jars, he came up to me and he was like, "Henry, I really want to like can I have a word?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "I really need to give you a piece of advice urgently." And I was like, "Yeah, what?" And he was like, "You have to go to drama school. You have to. It's it's what? not it's not optional." And so like when I was like, oh, I really don't want to go to drama school. After he said that, I was like, I would literally rather die than yeah. go to drama school. <laughs> Fuck that guy. But anyway, for the, the, the third part of this story, which is quite magnificent, is that for a couple of years, I did this show called Indian Summers, um, which was out in PBS in America yeah, and Channel 4 in England. Quite a few seasons, um, you know. You, you, that was a, Yeah, we did a couple yeah. of seasons and it was, uh, you know, it was without doubt a hugely seismic moment even though it like didn't necessarily uh revolutionize my level of fame yeah for me psychologically being like number one on a call sheet for you know how many hours of drama was a big yeah. deal and and like to survived it and it was very grueling we filmed it in the jungle in malaysia up a mountain anyway series two i remember with one of the legendary television icons charlie patterson up a mountain yeah and he he was telling me some anecdote we were like you know having a coffee break chilling in the jungle not not even sitting on chairs and he was yeah. telling me some story about this tv show that he filmed years ago and he said you know i had a problem with the director i just <laughs> they couldn't get the performances out of these kids and uh, well we had to cut all that stuff and it was a real nightmare in the end and i was like what was the name of the show? And he was like, The Rotters Club. And I was like, dude, that was me. No you way! You cut me. <laughs> you cut all of my stuff. And guess what? We're like 18 hours in 
to a series where I'm number one on the call sheet yeah. and now you can't cut me at all. <laughs> he had no idea. Oh, that's no amazing, idea. man. What a story. I love that, dude. Fucking amazing. So anyway, it's all, everything's, everything's temporary, man. Well, Henry, you know, I, I, I got to ask because it's, you're such an incredible actor and, you know, talk to me about finding your voice or your rhythm or, you know, your, was it on that, you know, because that, you had so many seasons where you started to feel comfortable and in control of that medium of television and film, you know, where, yeah, I guess you're, yes. you're footing, so to speak, you know? Yeah, there's like, there's like a couple of, um, like if it's in a computer game and you're developing your skills and you're getting, you're like leveling up, yeah. like I would say um, Unrelated was like one, that was where I went from like, I don't know, newbie to journeyman. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I do think, and I'm sorry to all the drama schools out there, that there are, and I know this because a lot of people I know went to drama school, and they also tell me the truth is that there are I went to drama things. school, so I, I'll, I'll probably agree. Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of people who I know who went there and say there's a certain skill set that you can only learn by doing the job. And, oh, for sure. And, and therefore, it's a catch-22 because you can't get hired without the experience. Yeah. And it's not until you have the experience you that you the, can, ugh. you know. So, And that has always been the case. Um and I think the the thing about numbers and the thing about the the I'm 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 a real cynic when it comes to um, uh, what's it called like data being yeah. used to orchestrate uh, I don't know decisions at a production level or or um, casting decisions or whatever like social because media numbers or, or things whatever like, yeah, like yeah. yeah or whatever yeah. like I don't know like you know the lists. The yeah. lists, like someone just needs to do a podcast all about the lists, like all the lists that appear that you can be on and then off and then re-included. And then yeah. my point is being in something that is popular. Is, let's say you start in your first job, you're 14, your first job is incredibly popular, but you've only filmed three hours of something, right? Yeah. But it's hugely popular. It's the most popular show in the world. It doesn't change the fact you've only got three hours flying experience. Yeah. Right. Great. Great. And the the bits that are the deepest, toughest, most like hard won lessons are the lessons that you get from experience. Yeah. You know, talent is 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 uh, is one thing, but um, I suppose what I'm saying is just because someone is in a show that's successful, it doesn't mean they're any better an actor than yeah. than you. Yeah. And just because someone um, is incredibly famous doesn't mean that they have a remarkable skill set at yeah. all. It's no guarantee. It just so happens that there are some people who are famous and do have a remarkable skill set, but it's not a flawless equation. Yeah. Totally. It's not a flawless equation. You don't, in the, in the course of one's career, you meet people all the time. Like I remember I was lucky enough to do a, uh, a film called Madame Bovary with Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. Paul Giamatti is like, was always him and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, God rest his soul. There was like a handful of actors that were like on my all time hall of famer, yeah. like dream ticket and working with Paul and riffing with him and 
playing around in scenes with him and making scenes work together. He was every inch as talented as you would ever imagine. He was funnier. He was more generous. He was, he was, you know, and the same with someone like, you know, Dame Julie Walters when I was doing Indian Summers. She is incredibly famous. Yeah. And is even more brilliant than you yeah. could ever imagine. So it's not to say that, I'm not saying that, that it, there's a glitch in the matrix and everything's upside down. Yeah. It's more that you can't only rely on the algorithm. You can't totally. only rely on the data. What I think is the most valuable commodity, and I hope is still used, by the way, and I don't know if it is, but I hope it's still used, is real reputation. Yeah. Real word of mouth, real a, a real sense of what it is that someone has about them yeah. and what the reality of, you know, because, you know, there's been some extremely dark periods in recent showbiz history, especially the kind of grotesque horrors coming out in the wake of the Me Too movement. Yeah. And I suppose one of the things I feel strongly about is that, why should we stop there? Why should we stop at sexual abuse being the benchmark of what is wrong? Yeah. Why shouldn't we also include other aspects of unprofessionalism? Why shouldn't we also include yeah. like um, workplace bullying or yeah. abuse of power? Harassment, abuse yeah. of power in other ways that is not in any way sexual. Abuse, oh. of, abuse of power... Um, that is people showing cruelty when they don't need to be. So many casting cruel. directors I want to name right now, but uh, you know, man, yeah. I, knew, <laughs> I know exactly you what know, you mean, and I appreciate you, you, you saying. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like the the I, the there's. I don't think we need to stop the rollout of kindness or the rollout of common courtesy. Yeah. In every single facet of show business. Yeah. I don't buy for one second that like, hey, it's called show business, not show friends. Yeah, like, suck it up. That. I don't yeah. buy that. I don't buy that. Anyone who said that isn't a real human being. It's yeah, bullshit. They're, see you next Tuesday if you get the acronym. Yeah, but... they're, they're, self <laughs> they're self-loathing. And, and, you know, they hate themselves and they hate who they are. Like, I don't buy all that like swaggering, you know, corporate nonsense. Like, uh, this is an industry which is built on one thing and one thing only, and that's teamwork. Yeah, it really is, man. You can't I mean, do it alone. You can't do it alone, Ryan. That's why That's why we're always, you know, powerless. Yeah. 99% of the time, because you can't do it alone. And because you can't do it alone, you're only as good as your ability to play in a team. Yeah, and, and it, you know, this is what this is about, man. Like, I, I appreciate what you're saying so much because this is what's keeping me not alone. What you're saying to me right now, you know, it, it resonates with me on such an existential and fundamental level. And, and, and I'm curious because, one, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say, you have to come back because I could talk to you for four hours. You know, please, <laughs> please come back. And I know we're here to talk about the Irregulars, but before we get there, you know, I'm curious, man, because – you did get to do plays in the West End. Talk to me about that feeling of, of finally, you know, getting the license, or no, more than the license, like driving on the freeway in a Ferrari. What did that feel like? Yeah, there, there is a part of it that like you 
I think, you know, that that kind of, it's a cliched phrase, but like never forget the time when you wanted what you now have or whatever. Yeah. You know you know the sentiment that I'm talking 100%, about. A hundred percent, yeah. And I, and I, you know, I never have. And I definitely was holding the hand of the 17 year old that was told because he didn't go to drama school, he was never going to do a professional theater gig. Yeah. I was holding the hand of that guy when I was doing, and you know what's, you know what's funny and what's crazy is, uh, you know, I was, I was born, nothing to do with skill. I was yeah. born with a big voice that could fill a theater. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, that's not a humble brag. That just happens to be a fact. And I remember night after night, doing you know you have vocal you've got your vocal warm-up and yeah. voice coaches and all these professionals that come in eight shows would, a week as well right exactly of yeah, course yeah. you know there's technical demands without exception in every single theater show that i've done in a big theater or a small theater those people have come to me you know they've been giving people special exercises and whatever which is totally cool and they come to me and they go yeah you're fine you're fine that's amazing. And it's just like the the grotesque irony of like, actually the one thing that you said I was not allowed to do was the one thing that I was like kind of physically born to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not the hard part. The hard part for me with theater, by the way, is the repetition is, is like, you know, when Keeping I remember it alive. Did, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I yeah. did a play, I did a play called Posh which was later turned on into a movie very cruelly without any of the original cast, I might oh. add. And we did that twice. And by doing it twice, so the play was kind of the same and then we did it again. And it was during the second run, like after three months of doing the second run, I was like, oh, that's a little, like a mental note that like, this is a, this is a weak spot in my skill set. Yeah. Like three months in, my brain started to go a little bit like loopy. Um, so... Anyway, filling a filling a theater I can do. It's doing it over and over again that's hard. Totally. I love what you're saying, man. And and I, you know, I, I want to talk to you about Killing Eve and the English game and, and all that. But because we are here to talk about the Irregulars, you know, to summarize, you know, the experiences of, of the Pale Horse and, and all those amazing things you've gotten to do in the last five to six years, you know, did that really help put you on the radar of, you know, such a major streamer like Netflix for something like the Irregulars, you know, do you feel like that was, that was, you know, those experiences because you're, you're so good in, in, in those, in those shows and, and television really has become the, the dominant, you know, medium of, of art because, you know, film is, is comic books now and, and it's intellectual property and it's not the, the great cinema that it once was in the seventies and eighties and, and before that. But, you know, talk to me about something like this show, you know? Yeah. We, 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 um, we had to do a census in the last month in this country, um, you know, where everyone has to like legally, legally declare who they are and what they do. And weirdly just in autopilot, I wrote television actor. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so if I'm asked, if I'm asked in a, the back of a taxi, what I do, I say I make television. I mean, that's, yeah. that feels like it's my medium. Yeah. Um, just going back to what you were, <clears throat> what you're talking about, the English game, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and crossing over. You're talking about these relationships with, with casting directors. Crowley Poole, who are a casting director, a, a team of, uh, uh, of casting directors, they cast me in Indian Summers and they also cast me in Killing Eve. That's not to say 
that I wasn't right for the part in Killing Eve. It was, no, but you're I amazing. think for me, there's something about walking into a room and knowing that the people that you're working with like have a small appetite for what you do. Yeah. That I don't think it's a coincidence that when I book a job with someone and it just so happens that Crowley Pool are absolutely delightful, by the way. But, but you know, Gillian, Susanna, hello. Um, it just out. so happens. Yeah, shout out. But but I, I also think it's not a coincidence that actors get into this rhythm. And yeah. as what I was going to say about Sarah Crow, who I remember auditioning for the English game. And, you know, you get a sense when a, when a casting director, when, when you get a little bit of a, a, a kind of thumbs up or a gold star. I'm talking about metaphorically here, yeah, not totally, an actual gold totally. star. But she was kind enough to cast me in um, the English game. And I hadn't really Incredible met, as Alfred. I hadn't I mean, really met her before then. But that's what I'm saying, which is like I went from the back of that. Yeah. Going going into auditioning for uh the irregulars. So just in terms of like, it's like I don't think it's in a weird way, the industry politics is always working for you and against you. I think yeah. almost always in equal measure. Yeah, the irony mm -hmm. of that. So fascinating. For me, there are certain casting directors out there who maybe I won't name. If they're casting a project, don't go. Don't go. Like, there's no point in putting me up for it. Yeah. I, it could be a part that I was born to play, and yeah. often I see those parts, and I'm watching television, and I go, "Why the hell did I not even hear about?" And then I see the casting director, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay." I know exactly what you mean, yeah. man. Like she, she would rather walk over hot coals than give me a role. Yeah, and you know, if that's the hill that she wants to die on, that's fine. Yeah, man, let them. But you're an and, incredible and, actor. Anyway, man. conversely, like with with um, with Sarah Crow, who you know, I feel like I have a real affinity with. I went into that Netflix audition for sorry for the Irregulars, um, okay. and I felt you know I felt capable of giving it some welly. And I auditioned originally for the Watson role. I didn't even know Sherlock was in it. I was going to um, say, did you, did you even know it was Watson Sherlock when he got it? Because I know Netflix. No, it was Pretty secret. It yeah, secret. they give you fake sides sometimes. To, yeah, yeah. They definitely didn't do like a full plot breakdown, but he was referred to as the doctor. Oh. That was all he was referred to, the doctor, the doctor throughout. And I, I like, I kind of, there was enough references to Baker Street that I was like, I think it's Dr. Watson. Yeah. But genuinely, because in the early episodes, I don't appear, there was no reference, like there was no lines for Sherlock. So I just auditioned for Watson, didn't get it, but I... I felt like I did a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I, I kept, like, for months, I kept on saying to my agent, I was like, I don't know, man. I just feel like it's weird that I, ne like, nothing ever came of that audition because I felt like I did a pretty good audition. Yeah. Anyway, then many, many months. I'm talking about, like, six months later. What? Um, uh, at least. It was stuck least. in development for that long? or No, just, like, yeah. you know, there's probably, Ryan, the reality is almost... 90% of the jobs that I have ever got will have been offered to someone else first. Yeah. I and mean, that's just, that's just the bed in which I sleep in. Not, not one part of me thinks that that is anything else other than the, right. the truth. And we're going and, to Rufus Sewell, Jason Isaacs. And now we're, it, yeah, you're, yeah. you're always doing this dance around the same people. And most of them are incredibly delightful. So there's like no skin off your nose. Do you see what I mean? You're just yeah. like, well, their flavor of the month this year and that's all going to them and yeah. you know um 
anyway, so I, I have no idea what actually happened, by the way. So this is all just conjecture. But but uh, so, yeah, a, a, a long period went by. And then I was asked to audition for um, uh, for Sherlock Holmes. And I did a tape and uh, I sent the tape and I got some of the weirdest feedback. Get this, Ryan. They were basically like, yeah, the good news is we think you're perfect for the part. The bad news is we think your tape sucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's so, I, I, I don't know what to make of that, but that's amazing. I was I getting, guess. you know, it's one of those things. And again, it's like slightly the downside when you're given not fake sides, but you're never given the full picture. And I couldn't work out what the, you know, they were like, it's a period piece, but it's not d- done in a period style. Like I was getting all these mixed messages. Ah, which is like, it's, got it. it's contemporary, it's period. Like do it like this, but don't make him like that. But yeah. like, you know, often these things get lost in translation. And I think the gist of what they were saying, whether it was right or wrong, was like, you know, we think that there's something there, but you're not really nailing it. And um, this is a spoiler. I basically went and did exactly the same audition. Well, it's 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 Monday, brother. So everyone's watched it this weekend. <laughs> okay, I did. I did. I basically went. I basically. I basically did exactly the same audition, but in a jeans and a t-shirt instead of like period clothes. Wow! And they were like, and they were like, brilliant, nailed it. No way! I love yeah. that, man. That's well, amazing. no, I, sorry. The feedback I was getting was that like you know they wanted it, like this is like an edgy show and we wanted to like this is not a kind of like you know, suave, fireside. Yeah, Benedict like, Cumberbatch. Whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, this is yeah. Like, they wanted something. So I, I basically changed, I basically changed my outfit and rocked up. That's amazing, man. You're yeah. so great in the show. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, did you feel this seismic pressure given, you know, that they were doing Sherlock Holmes and there's this massive lineage of actors that have played that? Like, do you, do you, I mean, it's, I imagine who hadn't seen Sherlock, uh, uh, an episode at least. Yeah, of like, course. No, no, I'd, I'd seen all those things and loved them. But yeah. the weird thing to say, and this is like totally genuine, which is just like, I um, I didn't feel any of that, to be honest, because Tom had written this world that was yeah. so, you know, the fa- fantasy elements, like the monsters, like it's much closer to, when you're, when I was reading it on the page, it was much closer to like, like the walking dead or something. Yeah, like that. totally. So it's totally. like, there's all this like peril and, and like mania and, and kind of, you know, it's like the stakes are really high and everyone's like losing their shit. So at no point I was like, did it ever slip into a world where I thought, Oh yeah, this is kind of reminding me of that show. Like, yeah, I was just, I was just caught up in this, you know, this other thing. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't feel any pressure. Well, um, and you got pressure it. though. And I got it. Speaking yeah. of pressure, though, I will I will have to leave fairly soon because I need to go look after my right. children. So this is the this is the sad reality. <laughs> it's okay, of, man. Um, life in the fast lane. I'm afraid, Ryan. Oh, brother, I could talk to you for hours. My so- nanny's got to leave. My nanny's got to leave. This is the oh. truth. This is the well, cu- this is the gold. I'm going to ask you two final questions, but please okay. come back, man. I would love to pick up again with you any day. You're amazing. Okay. Um, Thank one you. question. One, you know. What's what's keeping you inspired, man? We've been through this pandemic. It's it's a wild time, you know. Like, what's what's keeping Henry? You know, in- that's a really tough question because honestly, throughout this entire period, I've hit some real lows, and um, the support and 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 courage of a few close friends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just the the absolute. Um, I don't know, man. Like. 
I'm, I'm thinking of names of people that I know that yeah. in the last six months or a year where I've been really low have been like checking in and, and picking me up, you know, Dan and Doyle and Rafe. I'm thinking of my mates now. Oh, that's you know, amazing. Like, I love it. Just like you have these people that, um, that tell you to tell you to hang in there and it's really tough yeah. because like who won't, question themselves when you're stuck inside your house yeah. for a year like not doing what you want to do um that's it's, and you got like the, you're still in lockdown you know yeah yeah exactly it's the perfect um breeding ground for self-doubt isn't it yeah 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 well um, final question brother you know you you've you've had such an amazing career and you you made so many amazing things happen for yourself without having to go through you know traditional institutional and 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 now we're in a place where you know I think the world is really reevaluating these needs for you know not just drama school but just higher education and the cost and the benefits so for all the young Henrys out there that are 17 or 18 US Africa Asia you know and really want to give this acting thing a go, you know, any words of wisdom you might have for them? Um, don't forget to live your life. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it sounds like cliche, but uh, you're only as good an actor as you have life experience. Fully. You know, agree. in the same way that I have to, you know, run out of here in a few minutes to go look after my kids. I have always tried to live, you know, call it... Um, you know, like Batman or uh, or Superman. It's like uh, my secret identity is living a, a, a rich and and varied life. Yeah. Meeting as many people, doing as many experiences that have absolutely nothing to do with show business. Yeah. Because you, the further away you get from it, the more it wants you back. Yeah. So true. Like... Like any like girlfriend. The, exactly. <laughs> oh, maybe the wrong girlfriend. But, but you know, like yeah. to, to, to really commit yourself to relationships, to your friendships, to your, um, you know, to your football team, to your painting, to your music, to your, you know, to your writing. Yeah. Really commit, you know, whatever creative things or, or something completely different. If you want to be the best chartered accountant in the San Diego region, you know, Love go for it, go, hard, <laughs> go hardcore. Yeah. Like, you know, what I'm saying is like, don't think that that is not part of an actor's life because yeah. part of an actor's life is trying to make money, you know, and live your life. And then you get to do some acting and then you go back to real life. Like real life is the plot. I suppose that's what I'm saying. Amazing. Well, Henry Lloyd Hughes, man, you're you're truly one of my favorite talents, and I really mean that. And your performance in The Irregulars is amazing. And and congratulations on season two. I'm so excited to see what's to come. You know, not even just with this, but everything else for you. And and I'm Thanks, here buddy. for you, brother. And, and and please come back, man. You know, you're. You, I could talk to you for hours, and and I don't <laughs> say that often to guests. You know, it's it means so much to me coming on and giving back and. From the bottom of my heart, man, I'm, I'm sending you and your family lots of love. Thanks, buddy. I'm, I'm, I feel like I've talked a lot, um, and I hope that's okay. Oh, and I, I'm, it's what I'm we more want. than happy to give you a second helping um, uh, when my uh, childcare 
uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's slightly longer. But yeah. my wife works. My wife works. Shout out to my wife. My wife works full time. So you know, there's always a, it's always a, it's a busy household. Amazing um, man. Yeah, well, I love always it. Juggling. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.